You're listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochchurch.sg. So the near kingdom, and I want to begin by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, uh, there's a difference between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God, one of which is the kingdoms of this world can be shaken. God's kingdom will never be shaken. Uh, it's, it's immovable. It is impenetrable. It, the fortress walls will never be penetrated by the enemy. And we are, it says progressively, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So God in all power and mercy has brought us to a place where he has invited us to his kingdom. And I started researching over the last few days, specifically the word kingdom, basilia in, in the Greek, uh, which is the, the, the uh, kingdom or nation, a sovereign nation under rule or under power. And all of the mentions in the kingdom in the Bible having to do with the kingdom of God are called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Those terms are interchangeable. In fact, you see sometimes in one, one of the synoptic gospels it'll say children of, I mean, uh, the kingdom of heaven and it'll say kingdom of God in Luke. So most theologians do not really draw a distinction between the two. But I'm focusing on another word tonight and it's this word near because I started thinking about the times that it spoke of the proximity of the kingdom. So I started looking at all the places that that the phrase is said that the kingdom of God is near. And starting with this, I'm gonna, we're going to see seven things about the near kingdom, I call it. This is the kingdom that is with us. And the first thing, number one, the kingdom here, or the, the kingdom near, is the reality of God's presence. This is from Luke chapter 17, verse 20, where he says, Once, this is Jesus, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, "This or the, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. In other words, you can't see the kingdom come, which immediately puts the kingdom into a realm of invisibility. In the sense, I, when I was a young Christian, I got saved, and there was an author who was also director of a group called the 700 Club, who had a great talk show where he would have people come and they would talk kind of like a talk show that you see these variety shows on television, Graham Norton or Jimmy Kimmel or whatever, and except this was Christian-based. And I really used to like to watch the show, The 700 Club. And when I first got saved, in fact, one of my greatest experiences was with a phone call that I made to someone. You know, you see these shows and it'll say, call this number for prayer. Well, that was there, and well, you really don't see that in Singapore because they don't do that, but in any other nation, you'll have a religious broadcast, and then it'll give you a phone number. You can call that phone number and talk to someone. And I was a new Christian, and I saw that phone number, and I had some questions in my mind, and I called the, the and I learned a lot from the phone call because someone answered and said, hello, 700 Club, how can I help you? And I said, well, I'm calling for prayer. And they said, okay, well, uh, and you could hear a lot of noise in the back. And I was had a very busy system of prayer. And so he said, okay, would you, would you allow me to ask some questions first before we get started? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, what kind of faith are you? And you know, it was a very general question. I said, well, I believe in Jesus, okay. 
Uh, does your church uh, believe in things after you receive Jesus? What comes next? And I said, water baptism. Yes, anything else? And I said, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, very good. So would, I, would you say that you have the gifts of the Spirit? And at this point, I'm thinking, why is he asking me all these questions? I didn't realize what he was about. He was about to unload the gifts on me like I had never dreamed possible. And so he says, okay, so you have the gifts of the Spirit. Gift of the word of knowledge. He says, okay. Okay, are you sitting down? And I'm thinking, what is this? Yeah, I said, I am sitting down. It's okay. And this guy just started prophesying over the phone. Never, of course, he did not know me. This is a random phone call. I'm calling into this prayer hotline. This guy read, as we said back then, read my mail. I mean, everything he said was exactly what was going on in my life. Prayers, feelings, ideas. And I just sat there with the phone stuck on my face with tears pouring out of my eyes. And he spoke and said, encouraged me. He told me about my future, what was coming, my past, and relatives and issues. And man, it was amazing. I was overwhelmed, so encouraged, so blessed. And after the phone call, he said, we're going to send you uh, a book, um, Brother Pat. Pat Robinson, Brother Pat has written a really good book. It's called The Invisible Kingdom. And I said, great. And he sent me, and it came in the mail. And I read this book. This is the beginning of my Christian life. I read this book called The Invisible Kingdom. And it's speaking specifically an introduction in the book about this scripture, that the kingdom that is near us is the reality of God's presence, not a physical kingdom. That's why he says the coming of the kingdom is not something that can be observed, because the Pharisees only dealt with natural, physical things. And immediately, Jesus begins to teach them and try to help them to understand that you, you're missing what the kingdom is. Which, by the way, his same disciples had this concept and this idea that the kingdom was something physical. Now, it is physical, but not in this permutation. And that's where he's saying to them, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And there's two ways you can look at that. Between two or more that are gathered or inside of you. Because we are the temple of the living God. And God, an all-consuming fire, the kingdom that we are receiving that is unshakable. It's unshakable because this world cannot touch it. So he's calling us to this kingdom and he's correcting the Pharisees to understand that his kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, then they would have never crucified me, he said to them. They would never have taken me down. They would have never done what they did. But his kingdom was a separate kingdom. And he came teaching them. So I really started thinking about the kingdom of God in the presence of God, about the idea of the dimensions of the kingdom. Paul speaks about the love of God, the kingdom of God, in four dimensions in one scripture. He says the height, the width, and the depth, and, um, and he has another one that he says the, the length or something. And when he speaks about four dimensions, if you read it quickly, you don't think about it, but there are not four dimensions, there's three dimensions. But the fourth dimension of the kingdom is why it is a spiritual kingdom. It is a kingdom that exceeds limits of space. Uh, if they say here it is or there it is, don't believe that. In other words, if somebody's out in the desert 
crying out, you know, this is God's kingdom, God's kingdom. If you have a cult starting in the middle of some distant land, they call it the kingdom now here. This is the kingdom you come to it. Uh, be careful. And that's what Jesus said. That's not really what it's all about. If it's something that could be observed, we would have seen it. But it was not visible in the day of Jesus. And the disciples were longing and waiting for it to become visible. That's why at the very end of the ministry, they, when Jesus was about to ascend, he's getting ready to take off. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Now, will you restore the kingdom? Is this where we're going to actually see it now? And Jesus says, look, you know what? You, you don't need to be worried about that. Because he realized that they had not really gotten the revelation. But he said, this is all you have to worry about, okay? Go wait for the Spirit. The promise of the Father is going to come. Then the Holy Spirit is going to turn your lights on and you're going to understand. Now I'm paraphrasing extremely, of course, but that's what he was saying. And once the Holy Spirit comes on them, they'll get this and understand it. And sure enough, they did. But up until that moment, they, get, they did not. They only had physical understandings of kingdom. They were still casting lots to see who would take the place of Judas Iscariot. They didn't even have a spiritual connect at that point. They only had a connect with physical Jesus. They had anointing put upon them. They had authority given to them. But it was nothing compared to the reality of the kingdom. And that was the whole message. And when it talks about the nearness of the kingdom, don't think near like, you know, there's a snake very close and it's going to bite me. It's near to me. This near is near that surpasses any dimension of space, but also any dimension of time. Because it's an eternal kingdom. But it is invisible. And the near kingdom begins with this concept that it is the reality of God's presence. When you feel the presence of the Spirit of God, and three or four times today, I was completely enveloped in the Spirit of God. One point today, I was uh, in speaking to different people through the day, God kept manifesting His power in each service, and in actually one video conference also so powerful, so strong, and my, my ears turned dark red, my face, I kept feeling waves of heat every time I was talking about the kingdom. And that's when it made me think about this fact that it's the reality of God's presence. The kingdom, you know the kingdom is near when you feel the kingdom around you. It cannot be seen, it's invisible, but it is relative and is the anointing or the presence of God. The blessings and the favor of God is His kingdom. And this is what he's trying to tell them. Look, this is not going to be something that you can see, guys. This is not... If somebody says, here it is, or there it is, you don't believe that because it is in your midst. It's something that will come in the internal part of you. From your innermost being will flow these rivers of living water. So he's relating... Every time you hear kingdom, it's relating to the ebb and flow of the Holy Spirit and His power. This was my observation... Every time I found kingdom, especially where the word near appears, it is talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about kingdom. The near kingdom is the presence and the power of God with us. The second thing, it says that the kingdom near is what we have waited for. So it says in Matthew 11, 11, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. This is Jesus speaking on his behalf. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied 
until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now these are two these are some dimensions here that we see about the kingdom that always appear again and again. And one of them is the what I call the bookends or the dispensations. Today I was teaching the class, foundational series, and I was talking, in fact, the class today was on the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I was talking in, from the core, we were studying the, the promise and the function of the Holy Spirit, that first segment of the course. So I was going through the promises of old in the Bible, when the, in, in Jesus' promises also that the anos parakletos, or the, the um, another counselor, will come, and it's better that I go away, because he will come. All speaking about this in reference to an age in which we live that started at the, the time that John the Baptist started his ministry. So when John opened his mouth with the message that we're going to see in a moment, this age began. Because he had the Holy Spirit, some would back up, some theologians would back up to the actual baptism of the Spirit of John in the womb of his mother and the subsequent filling of his, the Holy Spirit went in to the baby. But really, because the power and the release of that for all is released with the proclamation, I see it when John stood out in the wilderness and began to speak. And there's none greater than this man, so much so that God started with someone, this age of kingdom, this kingdom age of spirit, and not to be confused with the physical kingdom that there will be, because the kingdoms of this world are physical. The Bible says they will become the kingdoms of our God. So that means there will be a changing of the physical into God's possessions. He will take it. But for now, the kingdom present with us started with John the Baptist in this crossing of the line. And I thank God that we live in this dispensation. I thank God that we have the Spirit of the Lord. I would not want to go back and live during the days of King David. Uh, I'm not interested to do that. I'm not interested to go back and meet David. I'll see him when I get there, and we'll talk in a more comfortable atmosphere. I don't want to go back um, to meet Elijah. I don't want to go back to meet Moses. God, I don't want to live in the age of Moses. I would not want to live amongst the Israelites. I wouldn't want to live under the laws they had. I wouldn't want to live all the way back in the man. I wouldn't want to live before the flood came in that atmosphere. We, we have been given... And if you look at it on a timeline, it's a very tiny little, little bracket of time that you and I have been born into. In relation to all of eternity, for sure, but also all the ages of man from the beginning. From Adam and Eve onward, all the way up to the flood. And then these ages have come by. Our age is this age, starting, the kingdom age starts when John the Baptist um, speaks. And all the prophets and the law prophesied and spoke and were relevant and applicable up until that moment and a new dispensation came. That, that clears some things up about the coming of the kingdom or what the kingdom near us is. And then we go to number three. Now, the kingdom near is what prepares and transforms us. Matthew 3, 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. 
people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the, of the Jordan. So here we see him um, in, do we have more after this in the next? Yeah. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the, in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So here we see John the Baptist speaking and preparing. The reason why it started with him is because he was the one to speak forth the existence of the presence of God in the kingdom by saying that the one that is coming is greater than me. I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. He's going to baptize you with fire with the Holy Spirit. His power is here. and his But his message is what we focus on. Back up one slide where it literally says there, and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So this is the beginning. He said it's come near. The kingdom is near you. And all it means is change Think differently. And that's where he later says, "Give show fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, show some real proof that you're changing the way that you think, that you're changing the way that you act to accommodate. It, it, in the earlier verse where it said, if you are willing to receive it. And then he says, since those days, the kingdom itself allows people to violently take it. So you see us taking it, you see us receiving it, you see us consciously making a choice to have the kingdom near and be in it. But we have to change so many things. And that's what he said. Change or repent. Turn around. Do the opposite. Um, because the kingdom of God is near. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. In other words, no, the kingdom is not something that is connected at this point in this age. It's not something connected to a, a, a group or a religion or an affiliation with, with, a, with a certain society or any given name. Every one of us are the kingdom and have the kingdom. The body of Christ in general is everything. That power comes. And we don't say, well, I'm a part of this or I'm a part of that. Uh, it does not matter. We are all Christ's. In fact, a mark of immaturity is to say, well, I'm of this or I'm of that. I'm of this person or I'm of that person. We're all of Christ. Everything is Jesus. We keep that in mind as we move forward and do the things that we're going to do. We're all going to end up in the same place and we're all going to be light on our feet and be able to do great things because we are the kingdom and the kingdom is near us. We gather in His name, two or more. That's all it requires. If, if we broke up into 50 groups... And if we had 100 people, then that would be two groups in each. We don't even have that many people. Maybe collectively, we put everybody in one room, and, and people who rarely come came. But whatever the case, if we had that many groups, that would be each autonomous little capsules of power where God will do something with the ability to do exactly what they want to do. And that's where we can multiply successfully. And I would rather drive a jet ski than an ocean liner. Amen. A jet ski, you can turn around right on the spot. You can go this way, you can go that way. The whole, the whole group, that boat can easily maneuver. I meet all the time people that have these big churches and big denominations and these groups and 
Any choice, anything that changes takes a year of committees to make that change. It takes a long time because there's just so much involved, so much stuff. And that's where the problem often comes. The kingdom is not about stuff. The kingdom is, is not about the substance of this world. It's the invisible kingdom. We are the kingdom. We're living in it. And we see these patterns throughout the word of God. And the kingdom near us is what prepares us. We are transformed when we come together in the presence of God and we are prepared for what's to come. In this case, John the Baptist was preparing the population of Israel and Judea for the coming of the Messiah. Telling them, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. When he came, what did he say? Oh, there he is, the Lamb of God. This is the one I told you about. This is the one. I didn't recognize him, he says in one place. He said, I really I didn't recognize him. He was here before, but I didn't yet know because it, still the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on him because that's what the one that sent me told him. The one that sent me, the Father, John the Baptist said, he told me, the one upon whom the Spirit descends, that's the one. And until now, I haven't seen it, but now I see it, that's the God. And he even said he was here. I just didn't recognize him before. I didn't know that that was him. Because that means Jesus was infiltrating the crowd. He was watching the ministry of John the Baptist, waiting for the timing that he would come out. And that was a ministry, a great ministry of John the Baptist. And it birthed other ministries, other people from that people that trained with John the Baptist went on to follow Jesus. And then Jesus went on and left them to go and do other ministries. And the multiplication continued. All in the kingdom. All in the power of God. We go to the next one. The kingdom near is what Jesus preached. It's his message. John preached it first. This is interesting. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, uh, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. It says here, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, which means that John's vocal ministry again, and proclamation came to an end. Uh, he did not have a phone. He did not carry his hand phone into the jail with him. When he was locked down, he was not able to speak. Maybe he was speaking to somebody in the prison. Maybe the guards. I doubt it because he was a political prisoner, probably isolated because his words were powerfully causing an uproar and his words had offended Herod so greatly that Herod wanted him dead and was waiting for the moment to be able to do that. When Jesus heard this, he knew, okay, I now have to take this, this baton in the relay race. I have to go from this point. And that's exactly what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. What? The same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the change, because it's no longer like it used to be, where the kingdom was separate from you, but now the kingdom is near you. You can live in it. You can move in it. You can have your, your um, life spent in the kingdom and be a part of the kingdom. And Jesus preached that message. Mark 1.14 says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As he says it directly, uh, this, this message paraphrased by Mark, because Jesus says, Repent, the kingdom of God has come near. I like the King James that says, At hand. That's even better. Which means it's right there. You can grab it with your hand. 
And I always think of the ability of the woman with the issue of blood to use her hand to grab it, take it by force. So the kingdom is ours, we can take it. So the kingdom of God has come near, he said. Repent and believe the good news. Because, how many of you agree, the fact that the kingdom is near us is a result of the good news. The good news is that Jesus died for our place, or in our place. He died on the cross. I had someone ask me today very clearly, can, am I missing something about the cross? I, I don't get the importance of it overall. I said, well, it's a good, that's a good thing to admit and say that you're not quite grasping it. Let me explain it to you. And I love talking about the cross. Over about a 30-minute period, I carefully walked through why the cross is important. And I remembered, and I got saved all again. It was uh, an exciting moment to feel the energy that comes out of the preaching of the cross because for us who are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. And it is also our access to the kingdom. What makes the kingdom near is the work of the cross. Because the kingdom being able to have access to all people was waiting for the moment that the veil in the temple would be ripped in half. They were operating at this point in the kingdom power, but it was also that the Holy Spirit would be able to have entrance so all of us could operate and live in the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe the good news. Number five, the kingdom near us is what Jesus taught us to say. Now, Jesus called His twelve disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. So here Jesus is telling It's like me sending you, but instead of trusting you to preach your own message, I give the message to you. I hand you the outline, the manuscript, so you need to get this message is what you need. It's exactly what Jesus is doing. He's telling the disciples, which is me and you, this is what you need to preach. It's interesting because proclaim this message. Later from verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. These are all the after effects of the message that will cause people to believe. The signs and wonders that follow. The miracles to confirm the word preached. But the message, he says, is simple. The kingdom of heaven has come near. That's the message. And I find that if, if we are not actively involved in that message, then we're not fulfilling everything that Jesus died for us to be able to fulfill. The whole purpose is that we say the kingdom is near. Well, what is the kingdom again? It's the Spirit of the Lord. It's the presence of God. We talk about Jesus. We tell people about Jesus. But Jesus was not as, as excited about Jesus as we are. He was more excited about His existence as Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming. And that's what he's saying. When you go tell people, in his name, of course, in the name of Jesus. But he's saying, tell people the kingdom of heaven is coming. The presence of God is now. This invisible kingdom. This is what you tell people. And it's funny because that's what I do. The other night I was doing music again at Soul Kitchen. On Fridays I do the music, 6 to 9. And I was singing songs. And um, I pick songs that have meaning to me, that stir certain feelings. And as I was doing this and singing and enjoying, there is, of course, the presence of God is with me no matter what I do, no matter where I go. He's with me. And there was somebody there at the table who later invited me over to talk to them. 
And they said, you know, you know, this, he pointed at all the tables on both sides. He said, this whole atmosphere changes. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said because he spoke very little English. And I'm not going to try to imitate his accent because it's just rude. But he said, this whole, this whole area, all these tables, he said, when you sing, everything changes here. He says, it's just, and he was trying to describe, what was he trying to describe? The kingdom. That's all. I, I inadvertently brought him into the kingdom in which I live. And, and that's exactly what I told him. When he asked about it, I said, well, what you have to understand is I'm a pastor. And I'm a worship leader. And so my emotions, when I sing songs of love, it's, it's the love I connect to the Lord. And I love God. I often weep in the middle of an Elton John song because I love Jesus. And I think about how wonderful he is. Anything can become worship if you love Him. If you live in the kingdom, you're in the presence and the power of God, and you're always reminded of Him. So when you're reminded and feel it, stirs and flows, and the kingdom is near. Not just near for you, but near for all the people around you. And He says, man, there was a couple of times you were singing, and tears came to my eyes. And I said, yeah. And there were people around the table that agreed and said, yeah. And His wife was scared of me. She wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Because some people react that way also. They just freeze because they don't know how to deal with those feelings. Because for the first time perhaps in their life, they're having to deal with those feelings. And this starts to make us understand why this message is preached. Why this is the important thing. Why the very first message ever preached in the church world, at the birth, the day of Pentecost, is an explanation of the manifestation of this. When, the God's, when God's power manifests it having to be described, well, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. He says this. He says, look, as you go, this is your message. The kingdom of heaven has come here. Instead, though, we don't always do that. Sometimes we'll go and just tell people, you know, about God's love, which is good. But what if we started with the very message that he told us to start with? And the first thing we tell people is, hey, you know what? The kingdom of God is here. It's not a visible kingdom, but I would like to let you experience it. Would you like to go to the kingdom with me right now? Because all I need to do is pray, and you will feel it. And you think, well, that sounds crazy. That's exactly what we did with our disciples in Acapulco. Those crazy people used it as a technique. Everybody they met on the street, that's what they would say. They would walk up to perfect strangers and say, hey, God's presence has come. The kingdom is here. In fact, he's with me right now. And that's what you can feel. Can't you feel it right now? That was like the first thing out of their mouth. It wasn't, can I talk to you for a little while? They didn't use any pleasantries. They were forceful, like the scripture says. And they were taking it by force. They would stick the kingdom in people's faces. And the kingdom would manifest. And they would feel it. And, and the people would say, I feel this. The anointing would be there. Because when we preach such a message, it becomes a reality. It, that's why Jesus, when he saw that John was no longer able to be speaking these words in public, he took the baton in the relay and said, my turn. Now he knew as he's approaching the end of his life, somebody's going to have to keep preaching that message. And that's what his commission is to the disciples. As you go proclaim this message. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What did Jesus command you? He said, preach this message. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How can he be with us if he's seated at the right hand of the Father? 
But of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the reality of his kingdom. Where the kingdom is, the king is there. And like I always say, joy, joking, if you have a kingdom without a king, it's just dumb. <laughs> so that's a stupid joke, I know, but it's true. The king, if, if the kingdom, if the king is with you, I'm with you always, then the kingdom is there. And all it takes is you proclaiming and saying, He is here. And that's really just the basics of faith. We believe that He is, and that He's the rewarder of the ones that diligently seek Him. With someone else, it works also. So the, it's what He taught us to say, because it's the power of our message. The power of our message is not just that Jesus suffered. He did suffer. He did pay. But what did He pay for? He paid for the kingdom to be able to come to everyone and for people to be able to experience the reality, so by extension it would lead us to the reality that will be the physical kingdom of eternity. Number six. It smells like curry. Number six, the kingdom near is what we pray. Matthew uh, 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Jesus is telling us how to pray now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, your kingdom comes. Some people look at this and decide this means that every day we should pray for the one time coming in the future of God's kingdom. But I like to relate it more to give us this day our daily bread. That I think every day we need the reality of the kingdom and that's what he taught us to pray. The kingdom near us is what we pray. I know that I, I identify with the kingdom in the morning when I pray. When I pray and talk to the Father about the coming day and I say these actual words, let your kingdom come, I make hand gestures and I say, come, come. I love that song we sang a little while ago. Come, Jesus, come. You know, we're asking Jesus to come. That people will say, well, the, the Spirit's already here. The kingdom is already here. But we're saying the kingdom is near in the announcement of it. And Jesus said, say it. Your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Of course, then as a result of that presence in that kingdom, your will be done. Because you have a tendency to do what the king wants you to do when you're standing in his kingdom. When you're aware that you're in his kingdom, you will do the right thing. You will do what the king wants because you know the king is standing right there. It'd be, it'd be no different than uh, you have an idea to do something that's illegal, but then you look and there's a police officer standing right on the corner. And you know that person will defend the law or protect the other citizens, and so you're very careful. I don't know if you're like me, but when I see a police officer, I immediately, through my head, I think, am I doing anything illegal? <laughs> Maybe you don't do that. Maybe because you guys are so good, and I was not so good in the past. <laughs> we were always on the look for police, because we were doing things back in that day that they could... But anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> if, when I see a policeman, still to this day, I think, mm, I check my zipper, you know, am I okay? Okay, I'm alright. <laughs> because it's the presence of authority. Because I'm aware of that. The law is the same no matter what, whether he's there or not. But if we consciously every day are calling the kingdom and becoming aware of the king with us and the presence and the power of God, well then we have a tendency to want to do the right things all the time. Live by the kingdom and represent him in that way. So that's why Jesus said you need to pray this way. And the last one's my favorite one. The kingdom here is what flows through us. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there. 
and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the proclamation in the light of what? Now you see the relation. The kingdom, the message is connected to this, your peace coming out of you. Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Not like the world gives. We're not talking about meditating in front of a candle and incense. We're talking about the peace of God, which is the presence and the power of God. The Prince of Peace. God is peace. And He works through us. His kingdom is a peaceful kingdom. And peace coming out of us is the ebb and flow of the Holy Spirit that will find someone who is who promotes peace, or is, in another translation says, worthy of that peace, that it will rest on them. That is someone who is in favor of the moving of peace. And I find these people sitting, eating food, drinking wine, half drunk at restaurants outside. They're there, and they love the feeling. Because my peace goes out. And I have been able to tell the story of Jesus to, at least at this point I lost count, just out there in front of that little restaurant, maybe seven to a hundred people, approaching a hundred, that they've asked, what is this I feel? And I literally, because the kingdom is there, I have to tell them. And then they come back and bring their friends. I've had several of them come bring their friends Tell them what you told me. You know, and make them tell them. You feel it? You feel it like that because it's the presence and the reality of God. The kingdom. Because I let my peace out. Not everybody receives it. I just told you at that same table there was one lady that had nothing doing with the peace at all. She had her arms folded looking at me. Finally, when I really started talking, she, she had suddenly had to urinate and she got up and left. I think she was just looking for a way to get away from what was going on. But the others were happy, and, and they were pleased to be there. And I, I have people that bring non-Christians to the restaurant, and they are Christians. Why is that? Because there's a presence there that makes it easier for them to talk to their friends about Christ. And that's a wonderful way for us to bridge the gap. Let your peace out. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Jesus is saying there is something that is going to prove the reality of God to people on the face of the earth within this dispensation. And it is the manifest presence of God that flows out of you. And if they receive it, good. If they don't receive it, then woe to them. Because this is the only thing I'm dealing with, God is saying. This is the way I do it. God is saying it. It says, be sure of this one thing. When this takes place, your peace goes out of you, and it does touch someone, and they feel it, then they know it. If they reject it, they still know they've rejected something. They have to, at night, think about what was that that they felt. And he says, just yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come here. And if you understand this and speak it with boldness, the more you believe and speak it, the more power comes out. And there's a manifestation of the kingdom around you. The kingdom nears what flows through us. And that's my prayer always. God, let your kingdom come. And then let it pour out of me. I will let my peace out to everyone I need. I will love them. I will help them. And do everything that you need us to do. These are the seven things that we saw. And already I finished the message. I told you it would be brief. We covered it within about 35 minutes. Or a little less. The kingdom near is the reality of God's presence. We know that to be true. Uh, the kingdom near is what we have waited for. 
It is. It's what, it's what the prophets were waiting for. It says the prophets and the angels looked into the day that we're living in, envious. Thinking, why couldn't we live then? Once the prophets that prophesied about it, all the way up to the day of John the Baptist, were thinking, man, I wish we could live in that era. Just think about the wordings. God will be with them. He will be, and everyone will know Him. And everyone will have access. He will pour His Spirit out on all flesh, on, on men, women, girls, boys. Everybody will be able to experience the power of God. I'm sure Isaiah uh, was thinking, man, that's not fair. I don't have it like that. I'm sure that's what Joel, Joel was thinking. Uh, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. They say, and when Joel was speaking it, I'm sure he was thinking, man, I wish I had this. It's going to be, his spirit is going to be in us. It's going to be on us. going to flow through us. Boy, I wish I had the kingdom like that. And this is our prayer. The kingdom near is what we have waited for. The kingdom near is what prepares and transforms us in that presence. The more time we spend in the anointing of God, the more we are changed and prepared for the next level of our life. The anointing metamorphosizes us, changes us, prepares us, and then deposits us out on another level. And from there, we start again. Every permutation of our existence, we need to seek greater and deeper moves of God, greater anointings. The kingdom near is what Jesus preached. It was His message. So, because John the Baptist preached it first, and then he took it from John the Baptist and preached it, and then taught it to us and said, this is the message you preach. If it were a different message, if he said, look, you just go tell everybody you love them, he would have said that. But that's not the message. Why didn't he give us that message? Why the, this message you preach? God loves you very much, and I care about you. He doesn't say that. He goes straight for kingdom. Straight for kingdom. That the reality of a world that is yet to come, but yet in spirit already is. And we can be partakers of the powers of that world. Right now, right here. That's what enlightens us. That's what fills us. That's what empowers us. The kingdom near is what Jesus taught us to say. So the kingdom is what we pray. Lord, let your will be done. But first, let the kingdom come. So that within the kingdom, the will can be accomplished. Today, Lord, let your kingdom come. I pray. <laughs> for your kingdom to come. Your spirit. Your spirit and your power to come and move through everything we do, everything we are. The kingdom near is what Jesus taught us to say and it's what we pray. And the kingdom near is what flows through us. Thank you for listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. If you would like to support our efforts, please consider making a donation at www.antiochchurch.sg. Thank you.